You're listening to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to. Like the show? Become a patron at patreon.com forward slash nygbc. You should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book that you can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to, because our other options for a hobby were golf or IPA tasting. My name is Kevin, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Benedict, who would like to make it clear that Billie Jean is not his lover. True. She's just a girl who claims that she is the one. That I can't I am sing. The one. I shouldn't that try to say. That he is, he is the one. one. Yeah, Fuck yeah. It. God damn it, how did I screw that up? Yeah, well, it's, the, it's I am the one, but I mean, whatever. Yeah, I was trying to edit it to make it, he is the one, because it's talking yeah. about you but and you the third person. It didn't yeah. work. No, it just fine. it just screwed up. But Benedict, okay. sometimes you're it. Sometimes cold opens are just cold. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes they're just lukewarm. Yeah. <laughs> Benedict, you're at a carnival. You're walking past the fried food section. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. What are you going for? Anything you want in the carnival deep fried uh food area well i've what was it a con carnival have you never been to a carnival i've never been to you've been to a state fair have you heard have you been (laughs) (laughs) are carnivals illegal in the uk is this a thing i don't know about yes we don't really do fairs in the same way okay but you you've been at an outdoor area in your life at some point, I presume, where deep-fried foods are being sold on sticks. I guess I've been I've been to the UK version of a Renaissance <laughs> fair. I guess I guess we'll have to go with it I since guess. we don't have a comparable example for you. But fine, you're at the Renaissance fair. <laughs> a a story you're going to have to tell at some point in the future. <laughs> B, yeah. I want to know what costume you were wearing. Oh, no, I'm I didn't. Sure no, 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 it was for kids. So it was uh-huh. like a, we went. Oh, so we you went, were working. You were working no, the Ren Fair. No. I went and we watched some knights jousting and then hissing each other's with swords. I prefer to imagine that you were the guy who got way too into it to the oh, point yeah. of disturbing the children. No, when no, you, that, you, that happens. You but learned that was a different old time. English just specifically for the purpose. Nobody knew what you were saying. <laughs> Kevin, that, everyone that's... speaks old English in the UK. <laughs> Well, that's the situation I like to imagine. Okay, we'll, we'll go with. Um, there's some so, sort of okay, fried so, food. Okay, what are you l- going listen, for? if if I could imagine any fried food situation outdoors on I a would, stick, yeah, it has to be on a stick. Well, okay, there, are, it, there are like funnel cake doesn't have to be food. on a stick. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I was gonna, I was gonna know. say churros would be like my. That's Ooh. my like outdoor fried food jam. I think. I'm with it. I'm with it. Everyone loves a good churro. There's something right. magical about that little bit of crunchy outside, cinnamon sugar. Everyone loves a good churro. But what about from, you? Big deep fried turkey leg? For me? No. <laughs> no. 
For me, I can imagine all... that in your Henry VIII outfit, just like with a floppy <laughs> hat, just walking around, being like, "Where's my wife?" And you know what? At my current weight, I could pull it off without any additional padding. <laughs> uh, but for me, for me, uh, also referencing my current additional padding, uh, it's the the footlong corn dog. I love a good corn dog. Is that dog. better? Probably not. And no, no, because it's carnival food. There's nothing good about it. But the corn dog, I mean, there, there's something just so perfect uh, about the, the the state fair corn dog. And I guess this is going to be something we have to add to your list of sure. American things we have to do is take you to a state fair When someday. I become a citizen. That's the... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's going to be on the list. We're going to a ball game, a Denny's, and now a state fair. I, so I, still, I think I'd those. rather go to a state fair than a Denny's, to be honest. <laughs> it still it blows me away because it's not a joke. You've never been to a Denny's. I have never uh, been to a Denny's. I've been to I, an IHOP, but that was in Canada, so I don't know Not the same. It's not the same. Nope, nope. There's nobody stabbing each other in the parking lot at an IHOP. Mm, uh, but anyways, this is the show where we uh, dig down deep into the ramen bowl of right-wing thought, mm. trying to find the lone dehydrated carrot piece down Ooh, at the bottom okay. of okay. of knowledge. Is it of still learning. dehydrated once it's in the soup? Surely that that hydrates the, it a little the bit. The truth about about those little ramen uh, dehydrated pieces is they never fully hydrate. Okay, um, that's that's where the chewiness comes from. Ah, uh, okay. okay. Um, let me tell you, as a connoisseur of uh, of prepackaged ramen mm. products. <laughs> I have the extensive experience necessary to tell you that they don't ever fully rehydrate. Gotcha. gotcha. Uh, although pro hack, pro since you know pro hack here, uh, since I have all this expertise, uh, keep a, a couple bags of uh, frozen vegetables in your freezer. Drop it in with your ramen. Boom, you've just upgraded, my friend. You've okay. got some vitamin fucking A in your life. You throw that broccoli in there. Yeah, vitamin A. You gotta <laughs> show up. Uh, Benedict, what's on your, no, not you know, what am I doing? Uh, I've lost my place. Hot take, my hot take. I'm struggling today. Uh, we're going to be struggling for a while, I think. But Benedict, yeah, you got any hot takes for us this week? No. Yeah, no, I do. (laughs) (laughs) No, I do. Uh, taxes are, uh, well, American taxes are Whoa, whoa, are you about to tell me that taxes are too high? No, no. Taxes are bad, and like it's just like the system in America is so stupid. And I know everyone knows this, and it's not really a hot take, but that's kind of the point of this section. The, the fact that we're just like, yeah, I guess I owe this much money throughout the year, and I'm just going to take this much money out of, my, out of my paycheck, and we'll see if that's right at the end of the year. And if not, jail. <laughs> like that's it makes no sense. Like in the UK, you don't have to file a tax return unless you make extra income, because your job is like this is how much money you make. This is how much tax that's going to be. And they're like, that's it. They just take the right amount of tax out. And then at the end of the year, the government's like, thank you for all the tax. Yes, and but that's Benedict, it. have you considered freedom? Mm, the freedom to choose the service <laughs> that does the taxes for you. The freedom to choose to commit tax fraud. Yes, <laughs> the, that's the, the freedom, freedom I'm talking about. Freedom to choose which company I want to pay $500 to do my taxes <laughs> to. Yeah, okay, since we are hitting near tax time right um this is because i'm dropping off my tax paperwork this friday and i'm real mad about it (laughs) early filer wow uh but uh there there is a free tax service um it's and people i look people say it's hard to find um i think john oliver did a a good 
job of letting us all know where it was a couple years ago when he mm. did his whole tax filing show. Um, but it is free online. You can find it. Um, and if you even go to like TurboTax, you can just click through to their free filing option, uh, which for most of us works just fine, uh, unless you hit over a certain income threshold. Uh, right. So, uh, you know, I just want to make people aware that out there, there is a free filing option. You don't need to go down to H&R Block or wherever and pay someone to do it for you. Um, it's relatively simple for the vast majority of people in the country to do it for free yourself. So don't pay anyone to do your taxes if you don't need to. That said, please don't, don't take any legal jail. advice from also, a podcast. Yes, please also don't go to jail <laughs> by accidentally not paying your taxes. Yes, yes, that'd be a good idea. <laughs> if you're not sure, pay someone to do your taxes for you. What about you? What's your your hot take? My hot take this week is it's nice to be back to hating our own. Um, it you know we had a couple good weeks of of unity there. Who, did you, uh, and who now, do you hate now? Uh, I Kevin. I hate everyone. Okay. I hate everyone. Um, I hate everyone who hates everyone. Mm. Um, I so hate you hate ev- yourself. I hate everyone on Twitter. Uh, I hate it all. But you know, like we had a good couple weeks of like you know what we we got a new administration. We got rid of, rid of that old motherfucker. Uh, and we <laughs> and then Joe on. Manchin was like actually posting and should then, be illegal. Fuck Joe Manchin. <laughs> fuck Joe Manchin. All the way. Um, and the sad fact, like, I'm, I'm not with the people who are like, primary Joe Manchin, because, like, he's in West Virginia. It's, you're yeah. not going to get AOC Our in Joe West Manchin Virginia. replacement is not going to win in West Virginia. No. He, he's better than, you know, whatever Republican would be up in West Virginia, but he still sucks. He still absolutely sucks, and he's fucking everything up for everybody. Uh, I mean, so, at the moment, know. all he did was bomb Nera Tandine's nomination right yeah. hasn't done anything else yet and potentially the $15 minimum wage and potentially DC statehood and potentially Puerto Rican statehood mm. and everything he's not going to support uh which just means we're going to you know potentially delay more good stuff happening for another couple years if hopefully we can win the senate to a, a, a larger extent mm-hmm. uh come 2022 which i i hope will happen and i think will happen but uh, I'm still pretty fucking pissed off at Joe Manchin. But that said, I'm also pissed off at everyone on Twitter who is turning uh, hatred for Joe Manchin into hatred for literally everyone who isn't uh, isn't Karl Marx, by which mm. I mean I fucking hate Ryan Knight. Um, and uh, I hate most of the people who agree with Ryan Knight. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, I think he's a fucking idiot who's never done anything. Do you know? I don't even know who that is. Isn't that great? You, my friend, live in a glorious... <laughs> blissful wonderland sometimes uh, i'm like how do people not know this niche political argument and well, then sometimes i'm like i am not really on twitter very much it's, so that's it's honestly it's because you're you're correct no one should know who he is yeah. he's just someone on twitter that's all he is he's one of the the like three people trying to start the new uh third party in the united states mm. um who literally all he does is is shit on uh everyone who isn't to the left of bernie uh, that's that's all he spends his time doing. You're right. He's one of the guys who called Bernie a traitor, uh, <laughs> right? When, as soon as uh, you know he dropped out and supported Biden, all that kind of shit. Um, I'm t- I'm tired of him, and I'm tired of all that shit. Uh, nothing's gonna get done by doing that. Uh, it sucks that things don't always go our way, but being a whiny baby is not the way to solve anything. No. And I'm I'm really fucking tired of it uh, because I am constantly on Twitter, and that's my problem. <laughs> that's your burden. <laughs> 
Yes, it is. Uh, and like, I, I agree. The thing is, I agree with people like him on policy issues, right? Things like Medicare for all. We agree on those things. It's all the reason I hate these people. It's all about tactics and procedure for them. And if you're not on board with them on that kind of shit, you're their fucking enemy. And they demand that you hate anyone who isn't agreeing with them on that sort of, on tactics. Um, mm -hmm. And as someone who spent much of my life hating the entirety of the left, everyone to the left of Ted Cruz, because it's what Fox News and right-wing media convinced me I needed to hate, I am very cautious in my life about hating people. Um, and, and there are certainly people I hate. I hate most of the people whose books we read. Uh, but mm -hmm. I have good reasons to hate them. And I'm not going to hate people simply because we disagree on things. I hate people for more complicated reasons. Speaking of which, did you see Dinesh's tweet last week about Ted Cruz when he was like, uh, there is nothing Ted Cruz could have done better than go to Cancun <laughs> yes, and, and not waste energy with his family. I was like, truly, Dinesh, like, this is amazing. It, it, was, it was beautiful. It was the full, it was the full Dinesh. He went full Dinesh. Um, he did. He it it did. was absolutely wonderful. And uh, It was full galaxy brain. <laughs> If you're a new listener and you haven't heard, uh, one of our first book reviews was Dinesh D'Souza. So you can go listen to that early on uh, in, in our episodes. And also we did the, the movie review a couple weeks ago, of course. Uh, but uh, let's move on a little bit. Benedict, rather than the crap we read, what's on your bookshelf this week? Anything by Borges. So mm, he's a Borges. Borges, yeah. He's an Argentinian, uh, mostly short story writer, literary Where is everyone fiction. you like have to have pretentious names? That's not a pretentious name. He's just Argentinian. <laughs> it's just foreign. Um, is it pretentious like or is mind, it foreign? In my, in my mind, if there's an accent sound yeah. to your name, it's pretentious. Yeah, well, fair enough. Come on, it's Borges. <laughs> say, say it right. Say it right. George, George Lewis Borges. Um, yeah, no, he's a literary fiction short story writer. Anything he wrote is pretty amazing. Lots of explorations of the human but, condition and time. And the Library of Babel is a great example. The Immortals is a great short story. The Aleph, another great short story. The Aleph Collection is pretty good. He also wrote the Book of Imaginary Beings, which is a, a fun, like, early um, look at, like, it just like an encyclopedia of pretend animals that he made up that's just, like, a fun <laughs> little read. So... By the yeah, way, back would... to my pretension theory. Uh, yeah. I do. I think I've told you this story before, but uh, in high school, I dated a girl uh, who pronounced Les Miserables uh, less miserables. Mm. Uh, they were I not think... less miserables. They were very miserable. They were more miserables. Yeah, I would say more miserables. <laughs> is the, the, yeah. yeah. That's good. Uh, that's, well, that's not great. That's <laughs> not, not good. Because it was not... right when the Hugh Jackman movie came out and she wanted to go see a movie. And I said, what do you want to go see? I want to go see that one, Less Miserables. Less Miserables. And I probably laughed at her Kevin, for five minutes. Kevin, that was minutes, in 2012 which... <laughs> that that movie came out. That is not when you were in high school. That is a lie. Okay, well, I date this is someone I dated in high school and then continued to date after high school. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so that, that was the situation. Uh, and then, as you can imagine, uh, it did not end well. No. It did not end particularly well. No. <laughs> you mean you're not getting married? No. Okay. Um, yeah, less miserable. <laughs> what about you? What's on your bookshelf? <laughs> For me this week, I uh, am suggesting a book called Chokehold by uh, Paul Butler. 
Mm. Um, he is a law professor uh, and a former prosecutor um, who left that life uh, and, uh, you know, started being better. Uh, when, he's, a, he's a black man um, who was uh, arrested for a crime he did not commit. Uh, and went through the criminal justice system and saw what it was like for the people he was putting in jail uh, and had that sort of realization that sometimes it takes a, a jarring action like that to get in some people. Um, and his book, Chokehold, is all about how the way our criminal justice system in the United States, uh, it's, you know, it's a metaphor for one thing and it's literal in another way, uh, the way it treats black men in the United States and the way that it puts them in both a literal and a figurative chokehold. Um, it's a very enlightening book if you need something to explain your parents <laughs> who may have a Blue Lives Matter flag oh, hanging no. outside their house. Uh, if you need something to help you have all those arguments. Um, he's a brilliant writer, and it's, it's incredibly well done. I, I would recommend it to everyone, not just because it's Black History Month, um, but uh, I, would, I would definitely recommend it if you're interested. So, on to housekeeping this week. First off, rate and review us on iTunes. And, and I want to I point out this week uh, that the reason why, in particular, you should rate and review us on iTunes is, is it helps more people find the show. And that's obviously something we want. And, <laughs> is that and, good, you know, though, really, in the scheme well, of things? Well, you know, there's, there's something, and I don't mean to bring in our off-air business into the show, Benedict, but Benedict is constantly telling me that there, he has one goal for this podcast, one true desire about what we do with this show and that is that he wants to do live on-air ad reads for duolingo and the only way we're ever going to accomplish that um is we if went we can... over literally how much i hate duolingo on the last podcast the only way we're gonna get to do one. ads for duolingo is if we we crack the top 10 list on itunes and if they uh, don't listen to that one episode where i ragged on duolingo <laughs> for five to ten minutes I think they'll overlook it. I don't think they look in that deep uh, on uh, on advertising. <laughs> uh, so you not. know, uh, share the show on social medias and uh, and rate and review us, and, and hopefully someday, someday, uh, Benedict will have have uh, that quiet rest he so so deserves uh, after achieving <laughs> his one and only. Aprende goal. español en Duolingo. <laughs> Fun fact. <laughs> Uh, that one phrase is more than any user of Duolingo has ever been able to say in Spanish. Uh, <laughs> also this week. Uh, so the, this chapter, the chapter it's we're doing so this week. so fucking long. Is incredibly long. Um, all right. We gave, we gave shit to previous authors for having chapters that were too long or This one is 60 pages. Yeah. Glenn Beck just has consistently way too long chapters. Uh, I think out of the hope that people will just get bored halfway through them and not think about what he's writing about. Which is what we did. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so the second half of this week's chapter, we're going to do, we're going to do it in two parts. The second half is going to be a patron only exclusive a bonus episode up on patreon.com forward slash NYGBC. So if you want to hear the second half of this chapter, you're going to have to go join and become a patron. Sorry about that, uh, but, you know, we like our patrons better than we like all of you. None of you got us Duolingo ads. That's uh, true. So with that out of the way, we return to our book review of Arguing with Socialists by Glenn Beck, The Other Trump Ego. Benedict, what do we read this week? Well, Kevin, this week we read Chapter 2, Capitalism, Baby or Bathwater, in which the horrors of socialism are contrasted with the cotton candy clouds of free market capitalism. <laughs> in, which, in which Glenn Beck doesn't understand what his idea of free market capitalism is? Nope. I'm pretty, I don't know if he knows. 
No, the, no, I don't he, think he does. He seems to have implied already in the, I don't know, 40-something page of this book, we've read several different versions of free market capitalism and several different possible times in which we have had it in mm. the United States we have versus it. when it's we haven't. Answer. It's unclear. It's very difficult to figure out. But uh, to begin with, Benedict, do you have an alternate chapter title? I do. So as I said, the, the, the chapter title is Capitalism, Baby, or Bathwater, and the or is underlined for some reason. So my ultimate, uh, ultimate chapter title? Alternate chapter title. Either, both, is why not both? <laughs> okay, okay. Capitalism, uh, why not both? What about mine, you? Mine was pretty simply Drown the Baby. Mm. Mm. Similar then. And I wanted to use a KT Anthony joke, but uh, even I'm not, uh, I don't know how many years before that's okay, so I'm not going to do it. So, of course, like all the chapters, we start this one with a cartoon. Mm. And this one, uh, it's a four-panel cartoon. And, really, uh, truly telling a story here in the four tr- panels. Such a... Sto- story is it i'm not yeah. sure what this is <laughs> it's four panels and there are five <laughs> bits of speech that's it yes it starts off with jesus standing over a woman sitting on the ground who's holding her arms because she's cold uh, she's cold she's cold and he says oh my poor cold downtrodden child and then uh he takes off his sash not not a robe mm. um and says here warm yourself with my robe while putting his sash over her uh, so the illustrator did not know what a robe is, for one thing. Um, and then below that, we have the contrast, which is uh, Bernie Sanders accosting someone on the street, an African-American gentleman, mm. taking his jacket, ripping it off of him literally, and saying, one of my downtrodden supporters is cold. How dare you have comfort while others do not? And of course, uh, there's a, a white guy sitting on the ground, um, with doing the same thing as the woman in the previous section, uh, holding himself from the cold. And then, I have several points on this, by yeah, the way. Yeah, but final panel, I just have to say, for some reason, the African-American man is being hauled away <laughs> by the police <laughs> while yelling, but I saved for months to buy that coat. Mm. And Bernie responds, heartless. Yeah, so I have a few points. Um, Where did those police come from? Yes, a, <laughs> is, a, is my number one well, question. <laughs> Kevin, there was an African American gentleman just walking the streets. So this this just, happened at a BLM protest. That's how that works. <laughs> I don't know if you've been watching the news. Yeah. Um, so it, my 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 points are: first of all, yes, where did the police come from? Second of all, the point is like in his world, this cold gentleman, nobody is giving him a coat. So that's the point. You need a safety net for when charity doesn't work. So yes, charity hasn't worked and therefore we do need to redistribute some some funds or coats as it were. My other point is this would have been much better. And I know it's Jesus. So it's like old timey and clearly meant to be like Palestine or something. But this would have been much better if these had all like all four panels had contained the same character. And the person who to whom Jesus had given his robe then has the robe stolen by Bernie. Like, that would have been a much better narrative of, like, oh, this woman used to be cold and she's better through charity, but now Bernie's stealing it. That would have been such a better dunk on Bernie. But no, like, it, that's just not how he's so approached yeah, it. And well. I'm taking a much more literal view of this. I think Glenn Beck thinks... Bernie wants to steal your jacket. <laughs> I think he just thinks Bernie wants to steal your jacket. I don't yeah. think it needs to go much deeper than that. Also, does Glenn Beck do a lot of charity work? I don't want to disparage the man, but is he known for his... I'm sure he 
does. I, I look. I don't know enough about his. I know I've I've read plenty about his political nonprofits, right? The nine twelve project and other bullshit he tried to get off the ground, but that just didn't work. Um, I don't know about his personal giving. I'm sure as someone who is you know a multi multi millionaire, he gives you know stuff. He gives Gotta money. Get that itemized he probably does. In. Yeah, he probably does stuff with like troops and all that kind of stuff, like most most right wingers are apt to do. Um, but uh, you know, I, I have no idea to be honest with you. But we are going to get some arguments in this chapter that we are. We all are government programs essentially should be replaced by private charity. Oh, that is literally the whole point of this first half of the chapter. <laughs> because you know how well that has worked in our past. Always goes great. Yeah, always goes great. So we start off the chapter with, but before even the first paragraph, one of those uh, yellow cards, uh, index cards put on mm. with a quote from AOC and a very poorly done drawing of her. Um, I don't understand quite why they decided to go with Howling Hyena as the image of AOC that they were going for there, but it's uh, not a very good likeness, to say the least. But we start the chapter where Glenn says, quote, a cigar smoke-filled room full of old white men laughing as they light bucket loads of cash on fire just for the fun of it. For countless Americans, especially those who spend their evenings watching CNN and MSNBC, that's what they imagine when they think about capitalism. Okay, I don't think anyone's ever imagined that, have they? I mean, that's <laughs> it's such an over overwrought description. Like, Also, tell me that hasn't happened at least one time. <laughs> someone's letting ca- let cash I remember during the Occupy Wall Street protests at which time remember I was still a right winger uh, that there were people up in the buildings above them um, at Zuccotti Park who were popping champagne and pouring it out on the ground below yeah. I Bricks. recall that which is a pretty bad image that actually happened yeah so, exactly that, that's not really better like yeah it really isn't um also, God, the I, quote that I, he opens with AOC for, and so I, so he says, "quote." And so I do think that right now we have this no holds barred Wild West hypercapitalism. What that means is profit at any cost. Capitalism has not always existed in the world, and it will not always exist in the world. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we will eventually have full-on luxury gay space communism. <laughs> That's that's what the end of this all will be. Marx was right on, I mean, on part of it. What's what's wrong with that quote? I mean, what, no, what's, nothing. What is incorrect in that? Quote? I think I think what Beck would take uh, umbrage with is the end of it, where she says, "And it will not always exist in the world." Okay. Well, I think that sure. he's implying right that that she wants to destroy capitalism. We've talked before about how even AOC, right, uh, the socialism that she and others talk about, isn't really like what Glenn Beck views as socialism. It's social democracy. Right, exactly. Um, And how he doesn't understand that. But also, like, capitalism is a very specific system. So even if if it's replaced by another form of free markets or something like that, that, you know, capitalism can cease to exist. Capitalism didn't exist before the Industrial Revolution. It's very unusual that economic systems last hundreds of thousands of years. Like, it will probably be replaced at some point. Mm-hmm. Whether that's, that's with socialism or communism or whatever it is, like capitalism will not exist probably in 500 years. If you else. follow Glenn Beck and the right and the things that they say, it probably already has been in their eyes if they were willing to admit it, right? When they scream that every government program is socialism, then I guess we already have socialism because we have a bunch of government programs. Mm. So I don't know how they even claim capitalism is still a thing. But the beginning of this chapter... 
it starts basically how I think most of the chapters in this book are going to start. That's my suspicion, which is the classic Glenn Beck strategy of faux independence. Oh, it is, yeah. Where he starts off describing things that generally both sides agree are problems because he's using the highest level of generality possible. Yeah, he's I, just I, I, I don't think it's even. I don't think it's even both sidesism. It's essentially populism, right? I mean, he he makes the populist argument and then pivots it to libertarianism. Right, exactly. That's his, that's his MO. Well, because he starts off saying things like people pay you know, a bunch of their money in taxes and get almost nothing in exchange for it. That's just false. You get a lot in exchange for your taxes. Mm-hmm. Have you driven on a road? Yeah. I've driven on a road. They're nice. They're pretty good. Yeah, you uh, know what's the worst <laughs> in America? Another hot take is toll roads. Fuck toll roads. Yes! Yes! Thank you! I am from the great state of California where we don't have them. And I don't understand this bullshit toll road system you have over here. Yeah, what is the just, we call them freeways in California. <laughs> and I'm starting to think it's because they're free. Yeah, I well, honestly, they're called highways here because it's high-cost ways. Yes! I don't know if that's where the term freeways came Maybe. from. It might be. But I really am starting to believe it because it's just tolls everywhere. It's so fucking ridiculous. In the UK, we call them motorways. Well, because there are motors on them? Yeah, I guess. That would make <laughs> sense to me. Uh, do you have toll roads in the UK? Uh, I think we have one, weirdly. Like, okay. There's one toll road <laughs> that's for for trucks that runs parallel to one of the main motorways. Okay, that it's makes very sense weird. to me. So some of the other things he talks about in his, his uh, faux independent stage here at the beginning is, you know, when economic times are, are hard, you know, then the small business owners, they're the ones going out of business while well, the, the billion-dollar corporations are getting handouts. Again, a problem that people generally agree on at this mm-hmm. high level of generality, but which he yeah, and his right-wing cohorts... It's basically the same as, as AOC's quote from the beginning of, like, crony capitalism. Like, he essentially says the same thing. Right. We differ on, you know, how to solve these problems and what the specifics of the problem actually are. Uh, we differ a lot on those sorts of things, right? He complains about... And the cause of the problem. And the cause. He complains about things like public schools and how college students end up, uh, you know, not having... Uh, uh, not being prepared when they get on campus. Again, this is someone who's never been to college, doesn't really understand it. It's the same problem I run into when talking to my dad, who went to college 30 or 40 years ago. Mm. 40? 45 years? I don't remember how old he is uh, at this point. Like 45, 50 years ago, uh, thinking he understands what colleges are like now. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, you know, the usual jabs about uh, degrees in women's studies or art Ugh, history. So how those don't do anything for you. And then we get to the fact that this is all because we're not really in free market capitalism. As mm. you mentioned, we're in crony capitalism. Interesting. And to interesting. illustrate that, we get a fucking Cardi B quote. Sure. <laughs> the, the Cardi B quote from a few years ago when she wants to know what happened with her fucking money. What's going on with her fucking money. That Cardi B quote. That's what Glenn Beck decided to use to put in his book. Well, this, this is his anti-tax rant, isn't it? Of like, you, it just goes to a big bureaucratic hole in Washington, and nothing ever gets done with the taxes except salaries for the bureaucrats, and blah 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 blah. Right, and of course he wants to point out that Cardi B, she went out and supported Bernie Sanders because apparently she's too dumb to realize that what she was saying wasn't really about I don't want to pay taxes. It was about she wants to know what's going on with her money and she wanted to go the things she cares about. His Okay, two things. His point is kind of undermined because he says, uh, like, the only thing better than paying 40% of your money for nothing is paying 90% of your money for nothing. 
to criticize her. But the problem is the font is so small and the font is so weird <laughs> that I read it as forty percent both times. Like it, yeah. And I got so confused. It doesn't. It doesn't like make any sense the second thing is i it's so cardi b's point is like when you send money abroad to a charitable cause they send you like a little letter that it's like oh this person's doing great he's really happy to have your support blah 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 i wish they did that with bureaucrats in dc <laughs> just to be like well johnny's had a tough day you know his boss is a bit of a dick one of the senate confirmed people that he has to work for is kind of a dick that doesn't know what he's doing but he's making it through and that's thanks to you cardi <laughs> And the falafel cart that usually parks over by the Walmart, uh, the Treasury, but no, uh, that's there. It really, there really is a falafel cart that parks over by that's the Walmart. That's a very there. niche joke. It's very niche. As someone who lives in D.C., I know about the falafel carts. Uh, but yeah, so the, look, nobody's going to claim Cardi B is the is a rocket scientist, uh, but I think her point was more nuanced than what Glenn Beck is trying to portray it as. There. Yeah, she also has good political instincts, to be honest. Yeah. Like she, she, she is often right about things. Yeah, and baller ass lyrics. That's so, right. although she's not my girl Nikki. Nikki was well, queen first. Well, Nikki was queen first. Uh, Lil Kim was queen first. Let's be real. Fuck off. Fuck off. Talking my childhood. <laughs> Nikki, Nikki number one. Uh, so again, it's just pages of this both sidesism, faux independence. You know, mm. the mainstream, and then you know the mainstream media isn't covering the important stuff. Where he says, quote, Instead of asking tough questions about the United States' future, they feed Americans an endless stream of garbage. Wait, what's that? You want a story about the nation's whopping $23 trillion debt? Or how that means every single taxpayer now, owns a, now owes 186000 to the Federal Reserve in foreign countries like China? Sorry, we've got a breaking story on Donald Trump's latest tweet. To which I just wanted to highlight, that's not at all how that fucking works. That's not Everyone how that doesn't works. owe $186,000 to China and the Federal Reserve. I mean, I do, because on... of my many business interests in China. <laughs> yes, he keeps harping on the Federal Reserve, and I just want to point out and highlight that he is basically a Federal Reserve conspiracy theorist. Oh, yeah, The yeah. people we he supports... That, right? Yeah, W. Cleon Skousen, the people whose books he, he highlights are literal Fed Reserve conspiracy theorists who do not understand the Federal Reserve in the slightest. I, They're I would, just wackadoo conspiracists. But you skipped over one of my favorite bits, which is a world-class Rubinism that you, mm. you missed, which is, so Americans started to wander through the ideas desert, <laughs> desperate for anything that might provide a solution. But no matter how far they trekked, there was no water to be found. <laughs> it's just such bad writing, man. It's yeah. like you can hear the fucking shock jock sounds in the background as you Well, read and this. it's literally, it's, like... it's next to a wacky meme. Yeah. The quote you just read on the page is next to the wacky, you know, can't choose which button to push meme, where one is colonoscopy and the other is Congress. Because Congress like that, is less popular than colonoscopies. Th this is the level of <laughs> intellect and thought we're dealing with. Wacky memes and desert idea analogy i mean that's that is that is how the right communicates a lot of the time these days so that's oh, not... the meme lords yes yep. we all know about the the legendary right-wing meme lords who have conquered the internet pwned all mm. the noobs that's right and of course um got their reddit pages shut down i think, that <laughs> I think that's for, that's it yeah by inspiring violence i think that was the end of all the uh right-wing meme lords but so now he's gonna tell us he's gonna move on he's gonna tell us 
how he thinks we need to solve this problem. Because, of course, he's a reasonable guy. He's explained how he understands that these are all problems. Of course, he's going to pretend they're not actually problems later on in this chapter. But he's explained that, and now we're going to talk about what his, his solution is. And he tells us, quote, When I tell people the only way to fix our country's problems is by embracing free markets, not giving an unlimited amount of power to government bureaucrats who couldn't manage their way out of a paper bag, some people... Many people, in fact, with M-dashes, laugh or scoff or write me off as just another crazy member of the vast right-wing conspiracy. Some people say, hey, what happened with the winter storms in Texas? (laughs) Other people say, hey, remember how your 9-12 thing failed? (laughs) Remember all those grifts you had that went Free market capitalism, baby. Remember that gold company and all the the prepackaged survival food that uh, that you were hawking? Oh wait, you're still hawking that. Uh, yeah, that's that's the right wing conspiracy, baby. Uh, and of course, there's another meme there of of Bernie holding up snake oil. Uh, actually, two on the nose. He just put down Bernie the snake oil salesman. They couldn't even do subtlety. He no. had to just write Bernie the snake oil salesman. They don't understand how to do subtlety. Yes, it's so, very much uh, telling, not showing. He tells us that, of course, he opposes the tens of thousands of pages of government regulations because he thinks less regulations makes it easier for small business owners. And I did want to stop here and clarify the constant right-wing bullshit about regulations. So one thing that I remember seeing a lot when I was a right-wing shitbag was this constant meme, and this happened a lot during the Tea Party days, right, of someone holding up a giant stack of papers that were supposedly all of the regulations that businesses had to go through in order to operate. And usually it was a you know ridiculously large binder or a stack about a foot tall. And as someone in law school who has spent a considerable amount of time studying regulations, that's utter fucking nonsense. Mm. For most businesses, especially small businesses, the number of regulations you have to deal with is relatively small. What they'll generally do when they're trying to make those stupid points is just print out the entirety of the Code of Federal Regulations, the vast majority of which does not apply uh, to that business in question. Uh, But he does. Before you you go on, there's this little side thing, which is ADD moment, which seems weird to me. Mm -hmm. But so he he says government now requires a license to do the following jobs. That was what I was going to highlight next. Yes. So it has a little cartoon of him. Like, I I don't know what it's supposed to be, but I hear the noise (laughs) when I look at what it says. Here's the thing. His own book, his own cartoonist who he hired had to draw him with a double chin. Yeah. And also he's Uh, (laughs) cross-eyed. Um, but yeah, so th- it goes through, and like some of them, okay, maybe it's a bit silly. So it's hair braider, hairstylist, soil scientist, wood pellet technician, florist, mm-hmm. dog groomer, gas station worker, dietitian, food truck owner, interior designer, land surveyor, taxi driver, travel agent. Okay, some of those, I don't know if they all actually require a license, but some of those seem like they should definitely need a license. Land surveyor, land surveyor and soil scientist. I'm sorry, I think yeah. you should know what you're doing in those jobs. <laughs> also, like a taxi driver, a taxi driver without a license is just some dude with a car who offers to take you somewhere. Like, that's scary. They should have a fucking mm-hmm. license. Okay, so there were a couple of others. I was right with you when I saw that list. I'm like, okay, some of these just make sense, right? Uh, and there's there's controversy about some of them, like hair braider, right? There's a controversy about that because in, in some states they're required to have a cosmetology license. But a lot of people argue, and I tend to agree, that it's unfair uh, for specifically like African-American women who dare do hair braiding 
on other African-American women. It's, it, you know, sort of uh, traditional hair braiding styles where they're not dealing with things like chemicals. They're not dealing with things that uh, are tend to give people infections and other issues like you find in a typical hair studio, right? Mm. Part of the problem there is people in a hair studio need to know about cleanliness and all these other issues uh, in order to be properly licensed. And I think on, in some cases, some go overboard, and that's industry trying to prevent competition, where they've lobbied to increase uh, the amount of training that's required to keep uh, competition pushed out. So there, there's more business for the people who, who go into being a cosmetologist or a stylist or whatever it is. Then there are others there on that list that I completely agree with you, like soil scientist or land surveyor. Where, yeah. Yes, land surveyor. <laughs> I think Glenn Beck thinks that a land surveyor is someone who just walks up to the top of a hill and goes, there's land. <laughs> just some bloke that comes around and looks at your garden. I see the land. A land surveyor, for someone who doesn't know, is someone who makes detailed and complicated measurements having to do with elevation and drainage and all these other different issues and, you know, with, with land. And they have to know how to work complicated equipment, uh, it uses lasers to do these measurements. So, yes, of course they need a fucking license. But one that I think he's stuck in there because it seems to be the most ridiculous and that stood out to me, and I took the time to look up in particular, is wood pellet technician. Yeah. There's only one state I can find that actually has a license for wood pellet technician, and that is the state of Maine. I went to their website. I found it. I looked it up. It is a license for individuals who do repairs on pellet stoves, hmm. which is a form of, of uh, fireplace. Yeah. If you're so unaware. people setting shit on fire in people's houses and making yes. sure it's safe, you would think that needs a license. <laughs> As someone who grew up in a home in a state where chimney fires are a problem, and you know, I don't, you know, it's less of a problem these days because less, fewer people have fireplaces, but uh, chimney fires historically have been a large problem and they need to be regularly inspected and cleaned. And that's what this license is about. It's about the technicians who come in and fix this uh, this piece of, of uh, equipment in your home, the pellet stove, which is for heating the home. Um, and also on the frequently asked questions on the main office of professional and financial regulation, they state, quote, uh, under the question, what is the scope of my license? A limited wood pellet technician is restricted to cleaning the ash pan, cleaning the burn pot, scraping and cleaning the distribution lines, and emptying fines from the collection box and cleaning the fan. Do I need to pass a test? No. How do you apply for a license? Visit our homepage and submit it online. <laughs> That's, That's it. it. Yep. That's very the difficult. extent of that burdensome regulation he's complaining yep. about. Yep, very difficult. So hard. It is really weird to me. But he continues on telling us that he loves free market capitalism, of course, but not this funhouse mirror distortion of capitalism is how he describes it that we see today, right? He says next, quote, I love the kind of capitalism that embraces free enterprise and free people. I'm talking about the kind of capitalism and innovation that led to the creation of the modern computer and the proliferation of the countless millions of new ideas, products, and services made possible by the Internet. Also, the one that came up with the McGriddle. So, if I'm reading him right there, he thinks that we had free market capitalism in the 1980s. Mm. Because that's when Reagan. the personal computer really started to come into its own. Yeah. So that's my reading of what he's saying there. Sure. I would, now, I, I would also just like to say that the, the, the modern computer's origins uh, is in a government program. At absolutely. Bletchley, at, at Bletchley Park. That was and what I was going to bring up. Alan Turing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Alan Turing, famously fucking persecuted for being gay yeah. by our horrible fucking right-wing government that Glenn Beck loves. Well, no, it was actually the British government, so don't worry. 
Oh, you're right. Wasn't yours. I forgot about that. It was ours. We did I that. I forgot he was British. You guys are dicks too. <laughs> yeah, we were too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but look, 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 this is this is nitpicky. This is really nitpicky because after he says that, he says next. Uh, he has a remember at the beginning of the chapter he started with that idea people have. Kevin, people is this going to be room. your version of the of the international next... alphabet that I went into last week? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. His next image of what people see capitalism as because he's a bad writer and returns to the same thing he's already covered um, is rich uncle Pennybags, the monopoly man who he describes as quote a chubby white I'll, i don't think he's chubby i don't think uncle Pennybags no, he's is chubby not. no a rich a chubby white mustachioed rich guy sporting a top hat and monocle boom glenn beck there's no fucking monocle on uncle Pennybags, you son of a bitch i fucking got you to be you fair moron he does look like he should have a monocle <laughs> it's it's the mandela effect right it's luke i am your father it's those same things that culturally we all think but isn't true right we all think that they say that you know luke i have your father we think darth vader said luke i am your father we all think you know it's named after uh, people all thought mandela had died in the 1980s or 1990s but he hadn't, mm. right? It's this thing that culturally we all think is true because it's been repeated over and over and over again, and it seems like something that should be true, but just isn't true. But I also want to point it out because it's the type of nitpicky bullshit that Glenn Beck would use to prove someone else is an idiot that yep. he just engaged in. Yeah, A minor fucking error that has nothing to do with anything that he would absolutely trounce all over people for. That so, definitely is right. The next thing we get to is this big yellow box on the page that's titled at the top, The Myth of the Robber Barons. And in this box, we're learning that the robber barons weren't actually robber barons. Oh, interesting. They were just bar barons who robbed. They were just barons who robbed. And in this, he's citing as his source a man named Thomas DiLorenzo. Tell uh, me about Thomas DiLorenzo, Kevin. A senior fellow at the Von Mises Institute. Great. Uh, you, that name might found, sound familiar to you as the premier right-wing shitbag uh, think tank for, you know, libertarian assholes. Um, Thomas DiLorenzo uh, is an individual who's, who's quite interesting, I find. He's a, an economist. Um, he is cited by almost nobody except for right-wing assholes because no one cares what he has to say. And he has also spoken out in the past in favor of the secession of the South during the Civil War, claiming it Great. was legal. Cool. This um, this is problematic. Uh, he also had some links to the, I believe, the League of the South is the name of the organization, mm -hmm. uh, which is a very bad racist organization um, that uh, he denied having links to, despite the fact he had spoken for them several times at events that they had held. So that's that's a problem. So what he pulls from uh, DiLorenzo's book, How Capitalism Saved America, is, quote, Yes, some business owners use their political links to tip the scales in their favor, like Leland Stanford, who used his political connections to have the state pass laws prohibiting competition for his Central Pacific Railroad. These are political entrepreneurs. And also, whenever Leland Stanford is getting shit on, I have to bring it up because I went to Berkeley. Fuck Stanford. Uh, but he contrasts that with the supposed market entrepreneurs like John D. Rockefeller, who apparently didn't use any of their political power for their personal gain. Never did. Uh, didn't, didn't famously run a monopoly which had to be broken up by progressives who came to power mm. at some point. You gotta be fucking joking me, man. The myth of the robber barons? Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like... 
again misrepresenting the idea of what people say like the people are just like hey no one should have that much money it's not like oh he d- gained it by illicit means it's just like oh we shouldn't let people have that much money <laughs> and part of the thing that the reason why i bring this bullshit up is the next thing he's gonna say right is that it's over regulation that favors these big corporations mm. and of course he would favor repealing regulations all regulations because of course. of course the free market will solve it better so of course i imagine glenn beck would be in favor of repealing our antitrust laws and regulations mm. and going back to that glorious free market time of the 1910s and 1920s when of when course we didn't of have any problems with robber barons or monopolies yeah. because we didn't have those regulations yeah no problem no problem no one none dominated of- the market and came out and, and eliminated all competition yeah none whatsoever so um, i i am very aware that we're about 10 pages in and we're probably an hour in so we should probably go a little faster right. well or- we're at our first tweet of the chapter which mm. is uh from our good friend neil dicaprio cortez who we talked about in the last chapter uh, and the tweet is, quote, Oh, at Glenn Beck, come on. We've heard all this before. Anyone with even half a brain knows that capitalism isn't working. After everything that happened with the 2008 financial crisis, the corruption, predatory lending, bailouts, it's apparent that we need to radically transform our economy. Capitalism had its chance and it's failed. It's time to finally give socialism a shot in the United States. Yeah. And from here... Our good buddy Beck moves on to claiming that, no, it was actually regulation that caused the 2008 financial crisis. And the government, it was Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, obviously, and no one else. So I think this is actually a good opportunity for us to skip a few pages because it's also, like, essentially worthless. But his his point is regulation was the problem. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were forced to buy a certain amount of subprime loans, um, subprime mortgages, and he does not mention the ratings agencies even once which is a wild journey and the fact that banks were as you said before we started doing this essentially uh not bribing but not not bribing (laughs) (laughs) very much true well there's there's a couple things we have to hit on there because there are deliberate falsehoods in this section right so first off, he has their two uh, uh, two excerpts from the Socialist Dictionary, right? One is predatory lending, uh, which I'm sure the, the pronunciation there gave you a, a loop. Yep. Um, because it does not look even remotely correct no. to me. Predatory? Tor- well, again, he's done, he's done the same thing again, where for Ponzi, he gives it the proper alphabet. And then for predatory, it doesn't. And then lending, he just doesn't spell that out. He just does lend. <laughs> Whereas, yeah. He, yeah, it's very, it, like, it, there's no consistency. Yeah, and he describes that as the horrific and criminal action taken by a bank or financial institution in which feeble peasants are hunted down and targeted to receive large amounts of money they ask for. So he's putting the blame for the financial crisis on the, the victims of the financial mm. crisis, which is bullshit. Uh, but what I wanted to hit on, and we don't need to talk about Ponzi scheme because he just does a, a boring definition there. But what I want to talk about here is the only person he really cites in this section as his backup for the fact that the, the, the assertion that the cause of the financial crisis was in fact the government is Peter Schiff, who was the sole member of the inquiry board that looked into the financial crisis that dissented and claimed that it was the government. Everyone else, the de- Democrats and Republicans, disagreed with Schiff. But Schiff apparently is the one we're supposed to listen to. Yep. Because he was the sole libertarian loon on that board who pushed this idea. Of course. I'm sure Rand Paul agrees. Right. And so 
There are several parts to this argument. One of them is, in, well, yes, Peter Schiff famously supported Rand Paul's doomed campaign. Mm. Uh, but so he, he says, first off, that interest rates at the Fed were part of it because you got to hate the Fed. And yes, the interest rates were low. That enc- encouraged lending. But it, there's no reason to believe that it wouldn't have happened without that. But interest there, rates were low as, as a response to a financial crisis, which is just a normal response to a financial crisis after the dot-com bubble. Well, interest rate, yeah, that, that's exactly, it, it was... Right. Exactly. You're correct. I'm moving. I'm trying to move as quickly I as know, I can I know, and not get Sorry. angry I know, and start I know, yelling I know, at go, all go, go, go. this stupid. <laughs> um, he never mentions, by the way, the deregulation of derivatives that happened in 2000, which, mm. of course, was signed into law by Bill Clinton. He could have complained about that. But, of course, since it's deregulation, he's not against it. So no. he's not going to complain about the fact that large institutions were allowed to trade mortgage-backed securities with no regulation and no oversight, which was the direct cause the of big the crisis. Yes, everyone should watch The Big Short. That's a fun way of explaining it. Absolutely. And you get to see one of the hottest women alive in a bathtub. Uh, (laughs) Now, I would pay money to see you in a bathtub, but that's (laughs) just me. I know, I know you would. That's just me. So one of the other things he puts out in here um, is this quote, and I'll just read it in its entirety. Quote, at first, Fannie and Freddie's quota for high-risk subprime loans was 30%. But over time, the federal government sharply increased those quotas. In 1995, it was 42%. In 2000, it was 50%. By 2007, the quota reached a stunning 55%. That is a direct lie because what he says there is that that was a quota for subprime loans. Mm. That was not the case. That quota number that he's citing was for origination to people who were below the median income in their communities. Those are not subprime loans. There are subprime loans within that category, but not all of those are subprime loans. Yeah, so they're so just what, people what below their median income. People, people in fucking New Canaan, Connecticut, if they if they make a hundred thousand, when the average income yes. is one hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And also, I'd point out that whether a, a loan is subprime or not is also related to the size of the loan and what the asset it's backed with, the house, the, yeah. the land, whatever the, the case payment. is. So there are a bunch of different things related to whether it's a subprime loan or not. There no are income, certainly subprime no income, loans no assets loans, within that category. Yeah. But the main way that Fannie and Freddie ended up saddled with so much of the subprime mortgage crisis was the trading of mortgage-backed securities, which they got into as a way to shore up their numbers and make more income. Because Fannie and Freddie are not fully government-run operations. Mm. They need to make profit because they're only quasi-governmental entities. They also had targets. They are profit it, right? as the, and, the, and people were like, why aren't you making as much money as the big banks, essentially? Yes. Yes, that's absolutely correct. Um, so he, he doesn't talk about the massive deliberate mortgage fraud that occurred. People who were just giving loans to people who shouldn't have give, given loans to, who lied about what their income was, all those sorts of issues that happened during the crisis and led to it, right? Uh, he he claims that, uh, uh, and this is something that came from Peter Schiff, that 19.2 million of the 27 million subprime loans in the U.S. financial system could be traced directly or indirectly to U.S. government housing pro- policies, uh, only if by traced to you mean owned by Fannie and Freddie because they had purchased them as part of mortgage-backed securities. Uh, that does not mean traced to their policies. Mm. It does not mean they were caused by government yeah. policies, but of course that's what he wants you to believe. Yeah. So I'm done with my anger on that. We can move on a little bit. Great. We get to the next subsection of this chapter, the first one I think, which is titled Poverty. Mm. It's just just poverty. Yep. And we get a new tweeter. 
We get a new tweeter now. This is someone we haven't seen before. Mm. This is Professor Tweed, whose handle is at check your, you are, mm-hmm. privilege, please, PLZ. Yeah, please. And unlike Neil DiCaprio Cortez, this isn't a, a fun, I don't think it, anyways, I don't think it's a fun uh, play on somebody's name unless there's someone I'm not aware of. And the qu- tweet is, quote, Maybe government did play a role in the 2008 financial crisis, but you admitted Wall Street's greed also played a role. And if we look at big economic picture, it's clear that capitalism is to blame for many of our problems, including in areas you can't blame government. For example, it's 2019. America is the richest country in the world, and yet we still have extreme poverty. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to now get him claiming that extreme poverty in America is not a problem because everyone in Cote d'Ivoire has it worse? Yeah, yeah, that's essentially like, it. <laughs> it. It is. So he says it's it, literally, it, people are starving in Africa. Don't worry about the fact that I won't let you go play video games. Yeah. Don't worry, don't worry about the people starving here. Um, yeah, so he says, yes, America is the richest country in the world, and the reason Americans are so wealthy is that for centuries they've enjoyed relatively free markets and personal liberties. That's not true. Some people yeah. have, certainly. I, 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 I literally, I literally, I'm going to show you. Mm-hmm. In my book, did the editor simple for an ad and entered in white yeah. of uh, the reason white Americans but are not so wealthy. Even white white dudes, like yeah, that's also true, right? Because and even if then, he wants to claim only that some we have white enjo- dudes, like not, if he not wants everyone. to claim, yeah, if he wants to claim really that for centuries we've had personal liberties and relatively free markets. African Americans in this country yeah. have n- 18, 1861 begs to Maybe differ. they've had that for twenty ish years, if you want to call, you know, the the still remaining inconsistencies that we have relatively free markets, as he says. But when you look at things like redlining, mm-hmm. which we had for, you know, most of the, the time that, that slaves were freed. Well that's until government the, regulation, Kevin. <laughs> government regulation is the problem. There we go. <laughs> we did there it. We, go. we did it. That's actually a better argument. He should argue against He should have done that. Yeah, maybe he, he really should have done that. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, so he, he goes on. It's a bullshit argument. If there's a bunch of... If there's so little opportunity, then why did a bunch of oper- entrepreneurs start out poor? That's a, a dumb argument, right? Yep. He brings up uh, Howard Schultz and uh, Larry Ellison, I think, are the two he brought up. And then... To, and then makes know, a shit joke about Donald Trump, yeah. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, And then he has a bullshit, and this is where I got really sad because I remembered that in my lifetime um, I have been to a Toby Keith concert. I have been to a Toby Keith concert. Yes, that uh, that is true, and that is a very sad fact about my life. Hashtag Kevin Sad Fact, where he just puts in one of those little extra cards on the page. Uh, with the parenthetical, this paragraph would work well in a Toby Keith song. Okay, but would it? Like, it uh, would what, not. how are you no. setting this to no, me? It's like, not. Americans typically place themselves in the top 37%. Like, what? how are we doing this? <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't I, I want to know what Does Toby Keith scansion? song he's imagining when he hums that to himself. Yeah. Because the quote is, as you started, Americans typically place themselves in the top 37% of the world's income distribution. However, the vast majority of U.S. residents rank comfortably in the top 10%. What Toby Keith? Is that for courtesy of the red, white, and blue? Is that where that's going to fucking go? So, Americans typically place themselves in the top 37%. Is that where he imagines that yeah. going? I have no fucking idea. <laughs> it doesn't rhyme. It doesn't rhyme. I, I, I I'd like to imagine that was a self-aware joke. 
I of how so. dumb that paragraph that that statement is. I don't know, but that that's just horrible. That's just if it was a true attempt at, at saying that was a thing. That's that's bad. Yeah. So I mean, really the, the, the rest bad. of this section, I guess, until we get to the snap stuff, is like, did you know some poor people have things? Yeah. And that's it. He, and some like, people get how, food stamps. How, how poor can they really be if they have a TV? Right. Like, are you fucking kidding? Come on, dude. Like, they t- have, also TVs cost about ten dollars now. Like, TVs are so cheap, and, and like, literally, again, as you said, like he says, although no one should be satisfied with the ex- existing level of poverty in the United States, there's no desire denying that being impoverished in America is better than being middle class or wealthy in much of the rest of the world. And then he quotes the Heritage Foundation, Heritage Foundation, which yes. is great. All, but, all of his sources are terrible. Oh yeah, this yeah entire yeah. book. Yeah, yeah, and, and then, but yeah, yeah, some of the rest of the world is not great. We should also try and help fix that. But he doesn't presumably want us to send aid to other countries. No, of course not. Of course not. Why would we do that? They need to have free markets and no regulation. Again, again, just because your income is high, if the cost of living is equally high or higher in proportion than it is in other countries, like, you can't live on a dollar a day here. You just can't. Yeah. And, like, it's shitty that other countries have to do that, but, like, you can live for a dollar a day in other countries. And it's right. bad, and, and people shouldn't have to, but you cannot physically live for a dollar a day here. So it doesn't like matter you said, that your income is higher. And like you said, Glenn Beck would strenuously oppose efforts to actually aid countries where people are suffering in a way that is you know, beyond what the vast majority of us can even comprehend here in the United States. Yeah. He would absolutely oppose that in any way. So, like you mentioned, the next thing he's going to get on, the next big jag he rolls out on, is Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. Yeah, oh no, people have food and healthcare. Yeah. essentially the the subtitle here. Yeah, and so he points out, first off, that after the financial crisis, uh, SNAP enrollment skyrocketed. Mm. Because, of course... (laughs) Color me baffled. People needed fucking food, man. And this is where I just go, like... I, I don't care about your what complaint. Did you, take did you take my fucking money. Yeah. Take my fucking money and feed people. It's literally the best thing we can do as a government. Take my fucking money and turn it into food for people. And if we get people in there who don't really need nutrition assistance, I don't care. Yeah. It's better oh, than no, not getting people. people who do need it. Yeah. It's really not a fucking problem. It's the, the biggest bullshit complaint I can imagine is, oh, man, we're feeding all these people? Yeah, and making sure they don't die of preventable diseases. Because he also complains about the ACA. That's a big problem for him, too. Of course. And, yeah, that's the next example he gets into and where I, I started pulling my hair out again. Oh, the fast food he gets food into thing? the Medicaid yeah. example and the absolutely non-existent bullshit thing that has never happened that he's trying to pretend is a real thing. I, I came super close to slamming the book there, honestly. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was almost... Okay, so let, let's just get into it because we're, we're discussing yes. it. We're flirting with it. We're discussing around it. We're, so, we're flirting with this, this sexy, so sexy example here. Essentially, he says... Hey, you're a star fried chicken restaurant worker. Oh, yeah. Sure. You're the best chicken fryer in the biz. You know what? You make a mean biscuits. Fine. Cool. Whatever. <laughs> and then he's like, but your employer doesn't offer health insurance. He just skirts over that as if that's a thing. <laughs> that, like, he's like, oh, you know, the employer just doesn't offer health insurance. Nothing we can do about that, I yep. guess. Nope, um, not at all. But then he's so like, you, you get Medicaid. Yeah, as you do and as you should. And then he, But then he's like, but you get a big promotion. But then the problem is, when you get that promotion, 
you can't get Medicaid anymore because you make too much money. And mm. then you have to take three days off work to see someone at the government who doesn't care about your office because that's what he says because he's a child. He's like, you have to go see a bu- Joseph Q. Bureaucrat or whatever. Like he, like, he gives them all stupid names and says the office was shut early because they were celebrating Che Guevara's birthday or whatever. It's all dumb. Yeah. But then he's like, oh, and then they tell you that you can get subsidies from the ACA so that you can take your raise. But in the end, it's going to cost you $12,000 a year to get the $4,000 raise. So you stay where you are and there's no upward social mobility. Okay, this has never happened. It's never fucking happened. So this is a bullshit right-wing talking point called the benefit clip. And I do want to just a little bit more than what you said, get into the fact that his bullshit example is that this hypothetical person who doesn't exist and has never existed is a getting a, is he says making a few dollars more than the state's minimum wage already. Uh, which if, if you are, then generally you won't qualify for Medicaid already because if you're working a full-time job and you're making more than the minimum wage of your state, you probably already don't qualify for Medicaid. It depends where, but yeah. Um, He also claims in this example that this individual had to take three days off of work to go to the government office and the name that you were missing that he describes it as uh, is the Department of Health and we don't remember your name because you're just a number to us headquarters. Mm. Uh, And apparently this hypothetical individual has to go three different times because, yes, as you mentioned, the first time uh, the person he needed to talk to wasn't there because they were celebrating Che Guevara's birthday. Yes, which is a stupid, another bullshit example of why this has never fucking happened. But also, this whole example is him trying to pretend the internet doesn't exist. Because when I read this, I spent 15 minutes, I went to the state of California, which is where I'm from, and it took me, like I said, 15 minutes to look up all of this information that he's claiming someone spent three days out of work going to a government office to find out. It's fucking ridiculous. He also makes some bullshit. I I went to California. California is supposed to be the bureaucratic hellscape where Mm. this would be the worst. Isn't it? Isn't that supposed to be the case? I think so. I believe so. I believe so as well. And I found that for the example of this person he gave us, who is supposedly a barely above minimum wage worker, who has two kids at home, and I presume a wife based off of the numbers he's using or seeming to use here, uh, and the the examples I think he's trying to give— uh, based on trying to get this person to the benefit cliff, in his example, mm. um, the he he claims that the only ACA plan they'd be able to get would have a twelve thousand dollar deductible, uh, and they bench, basically they they cost them four thousand dollars a year to get this raise, even though he never tells us how much the raise is supposed to be. He just mm-hmm. says a large raise. Um, the example I was able to pull up for this person on the uh, Covered California website um, uh, is uh, completely free for preventative care. So you don't pay any deductible or uh, any other thing, any copay if you go into the doctor for a preventative care visit, like a checkup, uh, and you have no deductible for your first three non-preventative doctor visits. Mm-hmm. So if you have an actual issue, you don't pay a deductible for the first three times you go to the doctor, and you have free children's dental and vision care in this example. Okay. You know what? It's so- also a lot cheaper than. When you get a $50,000 bill for appendicitis because your yes. restaurant doesn't yes. give you a, a health insurance. Yes, that's absolutely true. But I also wanted to point out, I also got mad at the benefit cliff because it's something I used to believe in, again, Mm. when I was a conservative. um, And I did some digging and found that about 1% of people on public benefits are actually near the eligibility cliff, within 10% of the eligibility cliff, which is when, if you go above that, you would lose benefits because you're now above an income threshold. So only about 1% Mm. because the majority of people on public benefits either don't have a job 
because they can't work. They have some sort of issue. They have a, a medical issue, psychological issue, whatever the case may be. And these are a number of people that I've worked with in the past, mm. right? I've, I've talked about before how I was in a landlord and tenant clinic at law school where I worked with people who are all low income, people who 50 bucks is make or break for the month. And these people, right, they, they it, for the most part, have issues that prevent them from working. That is the problem. People with health issues, psychological issues, there are a lot of problems there. He wants to pretend that all these people, if they just got three bucks an hour or more, they'd be over that cliff and they'd be out. So they're not going to go and get a job because then they'd lose their benefits. Mm. It's ridiculous. It's yeah, absolutely they, ridiculous. Yeah, they do it with tax brackets too and willfully misunderstand how tax brackets work. It's like, well, right. what if I, if I move upwards into the next tax bracket, I'll I end know. up paying 10% more tax? Like, no, you'll end up paying more tax on the 2000 extra dollars yes, that put you yes. into the next tax bracket. Another thing I believed because of the right-wing assholes I listened to on the radio yeah. back when I was a conservative. So yeah. when I got a raise at work, I actually thought that was going to happen and was surprised when I made more money. It's so dumb. And then, okay, so <laughs> just to, to round out the chapter then, because um, I know we're running a little long. Yes. Um, he, he says he he does want social safety nets to exist, but then doesn't explain how he wants them to exist. Nope, that would because he doesn't really. Because he actually this. doesn't. No, and then he calls Lyndon Johnson a racist, which is true. Um, right. And a terrible person, also true. But I, I don't want to pass over because we got another Twitter handle that we Oh, yeah, yeah, before. no, you're right, you're right. Go ahead. Right, we get Rashida Resistance. I wonder who that could be a reference mm, to. And their handle is at AOC underscore 2024 underscore squad for life. Great stuff. That's, yeah. So, I actually, yeah. I actually looked on Twitter and tried to see if that was someone's actual it's handle. It's not. Okay. It's not. So I couldn't the, find anyone with a handle. The tweet is, so what you're saying is you want to get rid of all welfare programs. Is that it? Without social safety nets, people will be even worse off than they are now, which Rashid is right. Um, and then he says, not at all. I think social safety nets are important. And then proceeds to not say why or how they are important. Well, actually goes further. Proceeds to say we should strip them all away and have private charity handle everything. Oh, yeah. So that's, that's how he closes off this bit of the chapter that because we're, we're going to start. His whole argument is the welfare queen argument. Yeah. It's that people just aren't motivated to work because they have these cushy lives on government benefits where they're constantly scrambling to get that last bit of money they need to make it for the end of the month. I, That's that, yes. that cushy I would, life he's talking about. I would about. not want to, to be on government benefits. I would, not yeah. have, I would not want to have to rely on the American government to survive, personally. As, as someone who, again, helped people who lived in public housing and saw the conditions they lived in, no. Nobody is happy living in those conditions on those benefits. It is not this cushy life he's trying to portray where people just, they're so comfortable and secure that they're not even looking for a job. It's bullshit. It's absolute it bullshit. Is. And then he tells a story about the power of private charity and just lots yeah. of not finishing the thought in this book so far of like, um, he said, yeah, so like it, <laughs> he's talking about public federal employees not being able to be laid off and why like bureaucracy is bad and then he goes by contrast those who work in the private sector are three times more likely to have their employment terminated <laughs> like, yes and yeah, why is i that? like how he's portraying that as a good thing yeah exactly we're more able to unjustly fire people in the private sector so we should do that more yeah, it's really weird the way he... Well, I, I don't want to say end the chapter, because he's not ending the chapter here, right? We're going to get into more on the patron-only bonus, but it's really weird the way this this sort of section ends where we're cutting off. 
Uh, because, yeah, he just sort of talks about how private charity should handle everything, ignoring the fact that private charity has never handled anything nope. in our society. It's never been able to solve all the problems he thinks that they would solve. And it works as a microcosm, right? It, 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 it works on a micro level rather than a macro level. Like, if you want to solve a specific problem and there is a charity set up to deal with that, that's a, it's like streaming services, right? Like, you might be willing to pay for one and it's the thing that you want to pay for and that's good but you can't be out there trying to pay for every streaming service you can't solve every problem in america through private charity this is well, my analogy he, i'm he sticking ignores with it. that the specific examples he brings up uh which are the doe fund in new york city and cincinnati works both rely on government funding to do their work Oh, yeah. That's they they literally rely on government grants. We'll, we'll get into that when do. he talks about the bril- brilliance of billionaire entrepreneurs and, yeah. like, and how they take <laughs> risks. And it's like, actually, these are government back risks. So Absolutely. I mean, look forward I, to that on the Patreon only episode. I'm going to rant about Elon Musk again. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's so much more ranting we need to do. And I know we've gone long and, uh, and we're going to end it off. So I will just read the final paragraph of this section. Uh, before we're going to cut it off. And, and where we're cutting it off is where a, a new tweet starts. So it's, that's his way of transitioning subjects, is having one of his fake tweets, which he wrote to argue with himself. Uh, so he finishes off saying, quote, If government were to do more to encourage charitable giving organizations like the Doe Foundation and Cincinnati Works would expand, and thousands of new programs just like them would almost certainly develop. Instead, government confiscates and wastes billions of dollars taken from millions of people who would rather voluntarily give their hard-earned money to charities they trust and that promote their values. Oh, values. That is a toxic, toxic uh, uh, little tag on there. In a truly free market system, this would never happen. So... (laughs) Abolish all taxes. Yep. And then we'll have free market. Yep. That's that's and so private again, charities. Yeah. Also, does private. he does he think that charities don't have a ton of bureaucracy? Like what Also, what the fuck do, I think the only again, because we've talked about this before. Everything they say, their answer is really tax cuts. Yeah. yeah. When they pose a hypothetical, when they say that there's a problem, their answer is tax cuts. Mm-hmm. Because when he says there, uh uh, the government should do more to help these sorts of organizations develop, do more to encourage charitable giving. All he means is tax cuts. Mm-hmm. There's, there, he doesn't provide us any examples of what that could be. No, just no. Tax cuts. Yeah, because then people have more disposable income and they can give more money to charity. Yep, or my, like my parents, they could go on an extra vacation every year. <laughs> yeah, pay for the country club. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that is it. For this week's episode, chapter two, part one of Arguing with Socialists. It's we hope so you enjoyed long. the show. It's, it's so, so long. long, man. It's really a slog when we have the because I gotta say, I, I enjoy these still. I very much enjoy reading these things, you know, getting my blood pressure up and all that. But the length of these sixty plus it's page chapters wears you down. I think we we might have to find a different way of doing these because it's just like it's like we skipped we over a bunch else. even with yeah. 30 pages here so there, there's so much we just can't cover in the time we have to do this but anyways that's it for this week's episode thank you for listening we hope you enjoyed the show remember if you just can't get enough of us you can go over to patreon.com forward slash nygbc and become a patron for as little as two dollars an episode for patron only episodes like the one we're going to be doing with the second half of this chapter shout outs on the show drawings to win our copies of the books we read and more as always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons, Corey Bidding, Megan Ruth, 
Savi Aquino, Glaurung the Deceiver, Danielle, Big Easy Blasphemy, Becky Scott Fairley, Stephen and Cindy Dimmick, AJ Brantley, Taro Takanen, Skeptical Seventh, and Andrew Jenko. Thank you all, as always, for being our patrons. And I gotta say, AJ Brantley, I just saw your Facebook message earlier today, because uh, I hate Facebook and I never go on there. Uh, I will be responding to you uh, when I get done uh, uh, with this episode. I will be responding, and probably by, by the time you hear this, you'll have gotten a response from me already. Uh, sorry for not doing that earlier. Uh, but uh, if you want to reach me, I should just mention... Find me on Twitter, not on Facebook. I hate Facebook. I never go on there. Uh, so if anyone ever wants to reach out to me, Twitter's the place to reach me, or at the uh, the show email, uh, kevinnbenedict at gmail.com. Uh, but uh, that's it for this week's show. Till next time, Wonder Twin Powers activate. Goodbye. Goodbye. podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.